So this is going to be a, a two-part series, this presentation, uh, split between myself, uh, Jeff Bradshaw, entomology specialist at the Panel Research and Extension Center, and uh, Nevin Lawrence will, will walk in and talk about the weed side of this. Uh, it'll be pretty light uh, in terms of the, uh, the insect and weed data because there's not a lot of time, but um, I just want to update you all on what we're doing to explore uh, relay cropping as a strategy for dry beans uh, using winter wheat. So what we hope that you take away uh, is that you, first of all, learn what relay cropping is, um, learn a bit about how we might apply it in Nebraska uh, using, at least in this case, dry beans as an example uh, in our experiments. And then hopefully understand maybe some of the potential benefits that this system uh, might provide us in terms of reducing pests uh, in this case, insects and weeds, and reducing control costs. So uh, essentially for relay cropping in dry beans and wheat, it's, we're talking about a field management strategy where two crops are produced in the same field and overlap in time. So basically whatever you plant in the field, it's similar to a cover crop, except in this case, whatever you plant in the field, you're going to take to harvest. Uh, and so it's most common to see um, a situation where you seed a summer crop, into an already established winter crop. So why would we wanna do this? Um, so at the 50,000 foot view, that's what the chart is on the right. Uh, there's these, these audacious uh, goals to try to maximize our food that we produce per acre. Uh, and that's one of the functions that this system can provide. And that's been shown uh, in terms of this land equivalency ratio shown in corn and soybeans, sunflower, soybean, cotton, wheat, and wheat potato shown there. So we'd like to see where this corn, where this wheat dry bean relay might fit into there. But ultimately what we're looking at, uh, hopefully is reducing pesticide inputs and input costs. So through weed suppression in beans to the, to the wheat being a cover. Uh, and then production of insect pest predators that might establish earlier in the season than normally uh, in our dry bean field uh, with this wheat part of the relay system. Uh, additionally, with dry beans in particular, we would hope that we'd see reduced harvest loss uh, with some of our uh, dry bean architecture being such that the beans can, the bean pods can sit pretty close to the ground or on the ground in some cases. And we know this from prior work uh, that um, residue can lift up those beans a bit taller. Uh, and we would hope that we would see increased production and profit per acre uh, since we are growing two crops in one growing season. And then um, some general increased crop resiliency and sustainability um, where some of these features might be shared with cover crop approaches as well. So just talking about the entomology parts of this, uh, Nevin and I did these studies on two separate parcels of ground, but both here at the Painton Research and Extension Center with slightly different goals. Uh, so these are the activities uh, from uh, wheat planting to dry bean planting to harvest, cover removal, um, and such listed here. So you have an idea of where we, how we travel through the season in terms of field actions. I uh, excluded the uh, herbicide applications because, you know, I'm not a wheat scientist, so I'll just leave those as regular agronomic practices that we use. Nevin can go into those details later. Um, but on the right is the layout of our plots. So these were fairly large plots for us, so 40 by 40 foot plots. Uh, and then you can see listed across the bottom, the various treatments from the wheat dry bean relay, wheat cover, dry bean only, and wheat only. 
and then the overall dimensions of the experimental light. So jumping right into it, uh, did it work for us? Uh, at least from the entomology plots experimental unit study, uh, my answer to that so far is sort of. So um, we saw improved pod height. So if you look at the figure on the right toward the top, uh, that's the percent of pods that were above two inches. So above what a uh, typical cutter bar height might be. And um, you can see that we did significantly increase the percent of pods that were above two inches. Um, and that was also, uh, we took measurements of the plants. So you can see there was fairly significant elongation um, of those plants as well that provided that, that increase in pod height. We also saw a reduction in Westerman cutworm injury. Um, although this, the location had overall very low Westerman cutworm injury, um, which was um, pretty unusual for us. We had a farm that was just, um, I'd say about a quarter of a mile uh, away as the crow flies that probably had over 1% pick on it. Uh, whereas ours, you can see the overall was, was quite low, less than 0.2%. That being said, uh, when we looked at and evaluated Westerman cutworm injury to those dry beans, uh, we did see a significant reduction uh, in the relay study, uh, the relay treatment compared to dry beans alone uh, in particular. Uh, so at least from that measure, we did improve it. We are still counting insect samples. And the last bit of data to share with you from the entomology plots um, is the yield. So this is uh, dry bean yield as a matter of uh, count weight per acre. Uh, we saw a significant reduction in yield uh, in the relay study and the added $62 per acre uh, to that, uh, to the dry beans and that, um, to that yield reduction did not improve it um, markedly. So we were about 200 to $300 shy of, um, of matching our dry bean yield. Uh, in this study. So we've got some room to grow there. And part of it was just essentially uh, learning how to plant this study more effectively with equipment we have, partly. Uh, we had to mud in these plots because um, of timing and various things. Uh, and so you can see in that middle uh, photograph of the conventional plot, you know, just how rutted those fields were. And that created some challenges that, that soft, wet soil in the relay, in the cover creek treatments where the, uh, basically the row units were being lifted up by the residue, combination of residue and the kind of the more muddy soil. So we're hoping to overcome some of those uh, limitations in this year and uh, hoping to also get through some of the insect data that we have uh, backlogged uh, to look at those aspects of it as well. So with that, I'm gonna turn this over to Mr. Nevin. Thanks, Dr. Jeff. Um, so uh, once again, I'm Nevin Lawrence, uh, weed management specialist here at the Panhandle. And uh, we, we actually, this is the second year we did the study. The, the first year we tried to take all the insect data and um, weed data in the same study. And it just didn't work out too well. We were bumping elbows and I didn't have good weed pressure. And he didn't have good insect pressure. So we decided to split it up. And we had uh, the same main plot factor. So weed only cover crop treatment, uh, a, a relay crop treatment, a driving only treatment, uh, which are in that block one. Uh, but then within that, that main plot, I put in three herbicide uh, programs that may work for a, a relay system like this. So we planted a uh, two gene clear field wheat. 
And the reason we uh, planted a two-gene clear-filled wheat is you can spray a pretty high rate of Beyond. And Beyond happens to be the same active ingredient that's in Raptor, which is a, uh, the main post-emergent herbicide we use in dryable bean production. And so you're, you're applying an herbicide that's labeled in, in both, at least the active ingredients labeled in both crops uh, post-emergence. So we had a no herbicide check. Um, we applied Raptor uh, or Beyond. Uh, plus 2,4-D at wheat jointing. Um, and then uh, it, for the second treatment and the third treatment, uh, did the same thing. Uh, so that Raptor and 2,4-D are, are, are applied before the dry beans are planted, uh, but it would help control some of those early to merge weeds. And then we came in at dry bean planting with uh, Prowl and Outlook in that third treatment. And all these herbicide um, treatments went on in each, uh, each uh, cropping system. So uh, looking at timing, uh, we, we planted our wheat a bit later, October 2019. Jeff got his in September. Um, we removed the, the wheat and the driving only plot in about mid-April um, through uh, applying glyphosate just so we could simulate. Uh, we wouldn't have any of that resi uh, residue left over or very little residue. Uh, May 1st, we applied the Raptor 2,4-D at jointing of the winter wheat. Driving planting occurred May 28th, which is pretty typical for area. Uh, at the same time, we would have applied uh, glyphosate to remove that cover crop um, or not applied anything to retain the uh, relay crop. Uh, and then we also applied Prowl Outlook at that same time. Um, uh, and then June 17th was uh, wheat harvest and, and September 7th was, was driving harvest. So jumping right into uh, the data, this is weed density at harvest. And uh, I don't have listed here um, what species, or we, we do have the species listed. So we have lamb's quarter, palmer, and nightshade were our, our, our predominant species. And mostly that was uh, that was uh, palmer amaranth was the big one. So this is plants per uh, square meter, or you can think of this as plants per square yard. And what we're seeing here is not a lot of weeds when we were had wheat present. So in the wheat only, uh, weed pressure is pretty low. Cover crop weed pressure is pretty low and the relay crop is pretty low. Where we were seeing lots of weed pressure was in that dry, uh, when we only had the dry bean uh, uh, crop planted, uh, no, no wheat was in there. So we're seeing an amazing ability of this uh, uh, weeds or small grain in the system to suppress weeds. And when we look at the effect of these different herbicide treatments, we're really only noticing a big uh, effect in the dry bean only treatment. So as we increase the intensity of that herbicide program, so we're looking at the check, the, the pre-plant 240 plus imazimox or the at plant application of uh, um, pendimethalin and um, um, P or Prowl and Outlook, um, as we move to that more intensive system, we're, we're seeing less weeds, but only in that dry bean only. Um, weed biomass was a bit uh, less responsive than the weed density. Uh, we're seeing a bit, um, some more weeds in the cover crop compared to the, uh, as far as weed biomass, compared to the, uh, what we were seeing with the density. So uh, the cover crop actually had quite a bit of weed biomass, but as we uh, move in the relay crop and the weed only, um, just not a lot of weed biomass present, almost nothing in the wheat for the full season. Uh, so what's this actually look like? So the picture on the left here is from our, our driving only treatment with uh, the most uh, aggressive herbicide program we had. So uh, we had the uh, 2,4-D plus uh, Raptor applied at, at uh, about a month before we planted the wheat, or the dry beans, sorry. 
And on the right, we have the same thing, except for that's from a cover crop treatment. So picture on the left uh, is from driving only, picture on the right is from cover crops. So with the most aggressive herbicide program we can come up with in the system where, where we weren't gonna be impacting either the yield on the drivings or the wheat, um, we're seeing basically complete suppression of Palmer amaranth season long um, in a driving cover crop system. And we were also seeing that in the relay crop system. So just having that presence of small grains really did a good job at suppressing some of our more difficult control weeds. And this is an atypical program. Normally you'd be applying up some sort of post-emergent herbicide program to help control this Palmer amaranth. And we really didn't need it when we had uh, wheat present in the system. So a huge benefit to the uh, weed side of things from having wheat in the system. Uh, when we look at yields, uh, we're, we're seeing actually uh, fairly decent uh, wheat yields. Uh, we didn't use it, uh, a small grain that was actually bred for um, irrigated production. And, and that's because uh, the two gene clear field wheats that we could get a hold of were for dry land. So our yields are a bit lacking for, uh, for an irrigated system, but we're seeing the wheat only um, about uh, 75 to 90 bushels. Um, we look at uh, dry bean only. That, that's actually pretty terrible um, yields for that 100 weight. And that is because of the inter, uh, interference of the weeds. We had bad weed control in the dry bean only, um, and we had lower uh, yields of the dry beans. When we look at the cover crop treatment, though, these are getting into more respectable uh, dry bean yields, and we're seeing the benefit of wheat. So having that wheat as a cover crop didn't seem to hurt the dry bean yield, but actually seemed to increase it. As we move into the relay system, though, we're seeing a both reduction in the winter wheat yield and also the dry bean yield. And this is likely has to do with uh, intercrop competition between the, the dry beans and the wheat. Uh, but there's ways we can fix this moving forward by looking at um, uh, spraying out the driving rows to provide a bit more spacing between the, the wheat and the dry beans and some different things with equipment that we can look at. But we, this was just sort of a proof of concept here and we're hoping to carry this forward. Um, uh, so kind of take home points uh, from both uh, myself and, and Jeff is that we are seeing having the wheat in the system, especially in the relay crop, is raising those pods higher up above the soil, which is uh, a benefit for um, growers that are be looking at um, uh, direct harvest, and we are seeing a significant reduction in western bean, western bean cutworm injury and quite a bit of benefits from weed suppression. Uh, the drawbacks is where we are seeing some reduced driving wheat yield from intercrop competition, and uh, that's something we'll be looking to address as we find in this system of board. Uh, with that, we are ready to take questions, and I think we're done a bit early too, so uh, plenty of time.